This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined, as always, officially this time by Perry Goldstein. She is back, and no offense to the boys that filled in this week, Jacob, Andrew, Kyle. I appreciate you all so much, but there's just something more special and significant when Perry Goldstein is back on the mic. So, Perry, yeah, we we got a win to talk about. That's fun. Yeah, I had to come back for that. Um, Before we start, happy holidays to everyone. Happy Hanukkah to my tribe. Merry Christmas for those who celebrated this weekend. And especially a Merry Christmas to Packers fans who now not only got to watch a win on the holiday, but the Packers increased their chances of getting into the playoffs to 37%. (laughs) Which, you know, I like to gamble, actually. But, you know, depending on how you feel about those odds, some people might love them, some people might uh, hate them. But Aaron Rodgers in December will literally always give you a chance. I think his record was like 41 and 14 in December games, which is just insane. And you and Matt LaFleur is now undefeated in December still. You got to love it. And yeah. Unfortunately, now these next two games will be played in January. Um, but at least Matt LaFleur does get to keep that streak alive for another season. So let's talk about it. I know, you know, we talked pre-show about wanting to do some some highs and lows of the game. And, you know, there were some moments that were really spectacular. There were some moments that I think had fans on the edge of their seats. And, you know, it just felt like maybe the game would slip away. So Packers win 26-20. Um, and they they shut out the Dolphins the entire second half. Ended up coming back 16 points um, unanswered to beat the Dolphins at home and, you know, have a very Merry Christmas W. So what were your initial takeaways, I guess, from the game? We can start there. I feel like there's so much to unpack from this game. There were so many. It was wild. Um, I think at the end of the day, you look at the stats from both sides and it's the interceptions are the are the decider of this right like both teams it was the tail of the passing yards right this was a pass first game from both sides running the running game did not exist we can talk about that in a bit but this was all about both QBs under center who could make more plays bigger plays in key moments and it turns out you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and the Packers defense are the ones that could make those plays. Um, The Packers defense, I think, won this game. Um, Actually, I shouldn't say I think. I think that's a pretty solid explanation. They won this game. Um, They took the ball away from the Dolphins three times in key moments where the Dolphins were driving to go either score and tie or score and win. Um, And that's the turnover battle. That's that's the name of this game. Yeah. I mean, I think going into this game and I I said it on the preview show, like they're this Dolphins offense can and did, you know, they can they can light up and score an 80 yard touchdown in five seconds. And then your defense, you know, 
is reeling after that. And that can flip momentum so easily. So the fact that the Packers were able to combat that by sustaining their own drives, flipping field position with Keyshawn Nixon, who's just a complete revelation. And then the defense forcing turnovers to give the Packers those extra opportunities with the ball. They did everything that they needed to do to, you know, stay in this game and then eventually obviously win it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this Dolphins team at the beginning of the game, I was sitting there like this is going to potentially get out of hand because Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are incredible wide receivers who are explosive, really well-rounded all over and looked like they were absolutely cooking the Packers secondary. And then they had Raheem Mostert really in the beginning of the game. And then the Packers actually did a very good job of stopping the run, um, getting, you know, 15, 10, 12 yards per carry. And you're thinking this is going to get, Go, just roll downhill very fast. And I think it was a building block, right? A game. First, the Packers defense was able to really stop the run. And that forced Miami to put the ball into his hands and lean on the pass game. And while the Dolphins have a very explosive pass game, like you just said, Tua made plenty of mistakes because they had to throw the ball because they weren't getting anything on the ground. And the Packers secondary they have had a really up and down season. They've had some miscommunication issues, but they know how to make plays on the ball, right? And so they just capitalize on, you know, mistakes really from Miami. I, I don't know if the Packers won this game so much as the Dolphins lost it, um, but it's all about like playing what's in front of you. And the Packers just took advantage of every mistake and every opportunity they were given. Yeah, I, I remember literally telling Mark during the game after the first Jair interception, I said, it looks like they're a swarm of bees because they were in yellow. But like the amount of bodies that they got surrounding the football, it was like the swarming mentality that we've heard, you know, guys like Joe Barry talk about where, you know, any like Tyreek Hill, uh, honestly, if he catches that ball, he can make anybody miss. We saw Waddle, we saw them making the DBs look silly, you know, for a, a large part of that, that early part of the game. And then, you know, they kind of righted the ship. They got more comfortable. They settled in. And Tua, like you said, made mistakes. And it, I absolutely agree with you that it's, you know, regardless of if a game is handed to you, you know, you still have to to win. The, the Packers could have just rolled over and, you know, made their own mistakes and given the ball back to the Dolphins. So the fact that they were able to capitalize, I think, says a lot about their mentality, not only, you know, in that game, but now they're on a three-game winning streak and they're getting some momentum. And, you know, we'll talk about this later on, but, two division rivals at Lambeau to close out your season for a shot at the playoffs. I, I like the trajectory that this team is on, you know, yeah. all things considered about past, present and future. Yeah. I think that's the one thing and we can switch to offense in a second, but a caveat this statement by saying, I don't think Rogers had a very good game. Um, he just had some trouble. I mean, it's been all season. He has some, incredible wow moment throws where you're like oh my god like that's who, who we know and love and then there's some moments where you're like i don't think he read that correctly but with that being said in the current moment where the packers are i'm not sure i'd want anyone else under center right like aaron Rodgers is that guy and he has been his entire career who can he can win you games like you you want to bet on the Packers going two and oh and making their way into the playoffs against two division opponents. Aaron Rodgers can do it. And honestly, I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago and I got a lot of hate for it. And now they're on this win streak. Packers haven't lost in a month. And I'll say it again. 
this is not a team that you want to make a run and get hot at the right time late in the season because yeah, he's not playing at his MVP level, but he's still Aaron freaking Rodgers and he he can win you games and he's been in these big moments before and he knows what they feel like and he doesn't he has cracked under pressure in the playoffs in the past, but I'm saying for this next two games, if I'm the Vikings and the Lions, I'm very unhappy that I'm walking into Lambeau against a guy and a team who know it's win or go home. And I mean, play old packs, what she said clips. I mean, we've been pretty critical of the offense at times and Rogers directly of the performances that he's had. But I think, you know, even in the off season, we talked about like Aaron Rodgers could not be vintage Aaron Rodgers with this type of offense, right? Like he was dealing with rookies. There were so many injuries. Like his gameplay was going to look different than the gameplay that we saw from like 2014, even, you know, 2019, like he didn't have a Devonte Adams. So that it was always going to be a different, you know, kind of season for him. He's thrown 11 picks, very unlike what we've seen from him in his career, but it's working and he's finding ways to make it work. And, you know, the offense has sputtered in the red zone at times. Like, you know, they've they've not sustained drives. They've still taken deep shots when they need like one or two yards. So <laughs> it's it's not functioning maybe the way that we would want it to. And it's it's not necessarily a well-oiled machine all the time, but they're finding ways to win and they're winning differently. And I think that's what kind of is scary too, because we've seen now, you know, every it feels like every playoff, it was Aaron Rodgers has to be perfect for this team to advance. Aaron Rodgers has not been perfect and doesn't have to be perfect. And they're still finding ways to win football games down the stretch here. And I think that's, you know, a credit to your point that that's scary that, that he doesn't have to be perfect and isn't perfect and they're still winning. Yeah. And granted, like some of these wins have come off of teams that are, yes. you know, iffy, but they've had some big, obviously now Miami is a playoff team, right? They are, have a winning record and the Cowboys are a playoff team. They've already clinched a spot. Like they've beaten, some real legitimate teams here. So we will see how it goes. I think what's scarier is that like we talk about Packers fighting for a wild card spot. The Packers team is the definition of a wild card. And I was thinking about this this morning about how difficult it must be actually for a defense to game plan because this team looks wildly different from week to week. So you know kind of what to expect, right? Maybe Miami went into this game planning for Christian Watson and Aaron Jones, right? Fair, do that. And I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but Aaron Jones got six touches. And Christian Watson didn't play for the second half. I I think his hip flexor is okay. But you go in with some kind of like defensive game plan and then the Packers switch it up on you and start throwing the ball to Mercedes Lewis, who's 39. So... There is some advantage, I guess, in the wild cardness of this Packers team and this Packers offense. Obviously, as a fan, I think we'd prefer a level of consistency that we haven't seen at all, but maybe they're just leaning into it. Yeah. And I mean, I talked about that with Jacob too. And, you know, historically this season, the Packers have not done well in away games. You know, most of their losses came obviously week one against the Vikings. They lost to the commanders. They lost to the bills. They lost at the lions. So knowing that, you know, they were coming into Miami with basically their entire season on the line, it was scary. And, you know, they, they played well and now they have two home games. And I know the Packers would always want, playoff games to run through Lambo, even though it hasn't worked out for them in the past. And I don't want to get too far ahead of them, but I think these are those kind of galvanizing moments for a team that, 
you know, they've kind of flipped the script. Like they've shown that they can go to away stadiums and win football games against, you know, really good opponents. So I think, you know, yeah. these are just those moments where all season we questioned how the team would respond to adversity. You know, they've got punched in the mouth and we kept questioning whether they'd get back up. And this is them getting back up. And I, again, I don't want to look too far ahead and like give them a playoff spot, but I think that kind of adversity is going to set them up for success because we know if they do make a wild card, they will be traveling. They won't have any home yeah. games. So I think, you know, that's a mentality they need to keep. There's also something to be said for like kind of playing with house money at this point. Mm-hmm. Like no one thought that they would make it this far. And like, I'm going to be clear here. I don't think this Packers team is very good. Like, I don't like they're like, we're talking about them fighting for the seventh seed and in any other season barring last year, like that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? So in the traditional sense, this is not a playoff team. They've changed the playoff picture. Now a nine and eight team can get in, right? The Packers are mediocre with a couple of players who can elevate them to win and beat a good team. Um, So, I think there's some like tempered (laughs) expectations, at least on my end. But at the same time, when you are an underdog and you can just go in and play spoiler, that's a very different mentality than the past couple of seasons where like the expectation is so high and the pressure is so high and it's just so much easier to fold. Whereas I think now they're like, okay, we just need to go in and win. Okay. Now we just need to go in and win and we'll just see where it goes from here. Um, staying in like the present moment has probably actually done them some good instead of thinking ahead to, oh, well, we need the one seed or, oh, like who's coming to us? Oh, we're going to get Tom Brady. Oh, we need to make the Super Bowl. Oh, this, this, and this in the future. Like that's not how you play in the NFL. So going week to week has been doing something, I think, positive for them. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you can't look backwards and, you know, there's plenty of games that they arguably should have won, could have won that that fell to the wayside and slipped through their fingers. So the fact that they are able to to still approach this with something to play for and talk about going one and oh each week, you know, now if you go one and oh the next two weeks, you basically have a shot at the postseason, which if you talk to us, you know, <laughs> week nine, you know, after that loss to the Lions, we were ready to write off the season. So, yeah. you know, this is a. This is a team that clearly I just I I never thought that Matt LaFleur's job was in jeopardy. You know, I never thought that, you know, most of the the coaching staff jobs were in jeopardy. Maybe defensive coordinator is a little bit different story. But guys like Adam Senovich, like I thought that a lot of those guys were going to keep their jobs. And we basically said, like, well, what do you want to see from the rest of the season? I want to see them respond and I want to see them stick together and galvanize. And I think these last couple of weeks have shown regardless of whether or not they can finish off and make it to the postseason. I like the way that this team has set itself up for next season and beyond, you know, whether it's Rogers at the helm, you know, the developmental moments for like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. I thought Quay Walker had an awesome game he yesterday. Did. Like the, some of these young guys, Zach Tom getting thrust into action, like uh, JJ and Igbari, what we're seeing from a lot of these rookies is going to do so much for their ability, you know, down the stretch and for the next couple seasons and beyond. So, yeah, you know, this team be- fights. I, I will like no matter what happens, this team has that kind of like we're not done until the clock strikes zero mentality. Let's talk about some key moments because a lot happened in this game that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, maybe we can do a little like back and forth on some highlights because 
there's a lot. I think we mentioned the three interception and the those seem to be kind of like the moment. I want to talk about the Mercedes Lewis touchdown because it's fourth and goal. The Packers are looking at making it down into the red zone two trips and only coming away with three points. And I thought Matt LaFleur was incredibly aggressive in this game, maybe a little bit too aggressive yeah. because that fake punt was so unnecessary. Oh, my God, that was horrifying. I don't even want to talk about it. It was just like, why? Um, but I liked the aggression because you have to be aggressive. Like you said at the very beginning of the show, this Miami offense can score a touchdown. We saw it one play, 84 yards, seven, right? So you you do have to be aggressive. And so I like that he was like, we're going to go for this. And I thought it was a beautiful play call. To be honest, he put four tight ends on the field. You think they're going to just run it up the gut and they don't Mercedes Lewis. They're a 39 year old blocking tight end who barely gets any touches leaks out. He's wide open because who's blocking him and big dog gets a touchdown. And now all of a sudden it's tie game 10, 10. And it's just a very, very, very different feeling and momentum then going down there, two red zone trips, three points, right? Just such a different game at that point. Um, so I thought Matt had some questionable moments in this game, but this was not one of them. This was the right decision, the right play call in the right moment. And Rogers just had to kind of lob the ball up uh, to, to Mercedes Lewis. So I'm really curious your thoughts on this too. Um, talking about like towards the end of the game, you know, it's obviously 23, 20, AJ Dillon gets tripped up, could have been a touchdown, kind of would have sealed the game at that point. And the Packers kick a field goal. How did you feel about their decision to kick a field goal? Because knowing how aggressive Matt LaFleur was the entirety of the game, I was kind of surprised he did it, but I was also kind of relieved that he did it because it felt like the defense was going to be able to do enough to prevent a field goal or a touchdown, maybe not a field goal. So giving them that extra buffer. Yeah. I was definitely more of the camp like go for it because I think if you dagger it there it's done but in hindsight they were able to drain the clock a lot in those moments and I think actually like clock management and knowing that Miami didn't have any timeouts left gave the defense a little bit more to work with Mm -hmm. right because you keep everybody in bounds you keep everything in front of you you force the Dolphins to try to make big explosive plays because that's all they can do to the sidelines to get out of bounds because they have no timeouts. Like you're allowing your defense to actually just like dictate a little bit more. So I'm always going to advocate for the touchdown. I don't like watching LaFleur be conservative. I think it actually goes like against his nature. You have 12 and I know we've been saying Rogers hasn't been his best, but like in those moments, I I think I want 12 throwing the ball. However, it ended up being the right decision. And I think it doesn't matter if they lose that game and the defense gives up, you know, another explosive play to Tyree kill touchdown game over. You're looking at this decision very differently. Um, it just felt off from the aggression of like the entire game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to say that one of my plays of the game was the beautiful sideline grab um, that Alan Lazard had. Well, that just felt like a vintage Rogers throw, a vintage catch. Like, I feel like there's been moments, especially with Christian Watson now being injured. Hopefully, he's able to come back for the Vikings game. You know, there it feels like there would be some like redemption arc there, as stupid as that sounds. After he had the drop, yeah, you know, to open up the season, that no one can stop talking about. <laughs> Literally, the broadcast too had to bring it up repeatedly. But you know, if uh, 
if he was able to go put up some big numbers against the Vikings, that would be a lot of fun, especially considering, you know, where the pick came from for him in the first place. But yeah, I mean, I think those were the moments too, where, you know, we were talking so much about Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs was, was getting looks and, you know, for Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to be kind of non-factors for a large part of the game, for him to be able to, to connect with Lazard, it's like a reminder, like, Hey, you know, these guys still, they're on the same page. They get it. Um, I Cobb didn't have necessarily a, a really big game, but it was nice to see kind of everybody as a playmaker. Tunyon having a catch. So maybe that was my point. It's just I liked seeing everybody get involved. I know you mentioned Big Dog, obviously, but, you know, Josiah DeGuara had a wheel route, I think, at one point. So just Patrick Taylor with the big 17-yard grab. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, yeah, I think – I don't know if this was my favorite game ever from this Packers offense because I just don't think this Packers offense runs efficiently when they're unbalanced. Mm -hmm. And I know that Aaron Jones is dealing a little bit with an ankle thing, so sure, but you still have A.J. Dillon, right? And A.J. only had 11 carries so and two catches. So it's not like, oh, you know, we can't lean on Aaron Jones in this game. Let's lean on A.J. Dillon. They didn't. I just don't like when they they get away from the run game, especially in moments like, look, everyone said, you know, Christian Watson was open on that fourth and two Rogers just missed him, etc. I don't care to be quite honest with you. You need two yards run AJ Dillon. He yeah. will get you two yards on fourth down. Like I, I just, some of the shot plays. Sure. If they had scored a touchdown, great. Yay. I still don't like the decision. I, I don't like everyone's talking about that incredible throw by Aaron Rodgers to Mercedes Lewis down the sideline. Respectfully, I don't want to condone that behavior. These plays are working about a third of the time mm-hmm. and they get away and they take away from what the Packers do well. So I'm anti shot play. Mm-hmm. They won. So it doesn't matter. And that catch by Mercedes Lewis was incredible, but I'm anti shot play. Um, I to go back to our key moments, I would say losing Christian Watson was a pretty key moment. Yeah. I I think that seeing it's very night and day when he's on the field and when especially he's not in the red zone. especially in the red zone. Like he is now a factor. He pulls defenders away. He had at one point, I think, in the red zone, three defenders on him. Like people know. And even if he's not, you know, getting targeted. He's pulling three defenders away, which means somebody else is open. I also thought Rodgers missed a very easy touchdown to him, a ball placement. If it had been a little bit different, you know, Watson could have held his footing and and gone in stride. But he has completely changed his offense. He stretches the offense downfield. He brings defenders with him. He allows them to, like, just open up and do everything that they want. And you notice how different it is not just in terms of like efficiency running, but like in what Matt LaFleur's calling, like play calling when Christian Watson is on the field and when he's not. Yeah. And I mean, kind of going back to your point about a balanced offense, like not having him on the field changed the trajectory of what the offense was even able to do. Like, you know, you can stack the box more, like you expect your, your DBs to kind of play more or like you feel more comfortable with them, maybe in some man looks, if you're going up against like, Lazard, who obviously is a, a big possession catcher, but he's not like a burner, you know, so yeah. like Christian Watson's ability to tilt the field, you know, in, in the Packers favor, really hope that he's able to come back. Something that I guess it's not really a moment, but just a stat in general is just this Packers third down offense was 
actually atrocious against yeah, the Dolphins. So I think they completed like 14% of their third down tries. It was what, like two of 14? Yeah, two of 14. That's that's never going to win you a playoff game. You know, no, that's and, atrocious. Like, the, yeah. like I don't think it, it literally almost couldn't get worse. So, yeah, I mean, like we said, they won this game, but there is plenty that I would have changed and made better. Um, like the Packers offense for sure was not perfect at all. Um, and now they're coming and the Vikings are going to be an interesting opponent. We don't have to, I guess, get into them too much, but there's a lot of similarities, I think, between these two offenses where they have one of the best receivers in the league who can make explosive plays. He can literally do everything up around the field, just like Tyreek can, who can score on a dime, but also a quarterback who can be very up and down. Um, I thought this Dolphins pass rush did a really, really nice job yeah. rattling Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there was a lot of offensive line shuffles in this game. I think that was like very overlooked at one point, right? David Bakhtiari is not playing. They end up losing Yash Nyman and Royce, Royce Newman has to come in. <laughs> and he is just so brutal. It's brutal, right? And this pa- uh, this Dolphins pass rush is very good. And they lost Bradley Chubb. Like, they didn't even have one of their best in there. And they were getting to him. So that also changes what they were able to do. I don't know if it affected the run game at all. Obviously, having Royce in there is very different from Yash. But, like, Rodgers somehow stayed upright. I think he was he walked himself into one of the sacks. But, you know, two sacks. Like, it could have been way worse. Um Hopefully next week against, again, a very good uh, Vikings pass rush and front, they'll have David Bakhtiari back and they'll have Yash back as long. Like, so offensive line shuffles, I think they overcame them, obviously, in this game, but very, very much affected the way this offense could run. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about the way that the secondary has been playing for the Packers and how they've been up and down, but they capitalized in key moments. I will say, especially after the Rams game and, you know, say whatever you want. Obviously the Rams had trotted out 14 different offensive line combinations. So that was just a a brutal unit. Anyway, five sacks against Baker Mayfield. You know, I I understand that that is a really bad offensive unit, but we've seen improvement from Kenny Clark. Preston Smith had a hell of a game. You know, Enigbari had a really nice game. Um, Jaron Reed has been just about everywhere. Um, Yeah. His fourth fumble was huge. Devontae Wyatt deserves more snaps. You know, the Packers first round uh, defensive lineman looked really good in his limited opportunities. So I will say, you know, like we talked about, there's no way to make up for losing Rashawn Gary. You you cannot do it. He was on, you know, he was on their trajectory to have the best season of his career. And he will be missed regardless of how this this unit finishes up. But the way that they've been able to generate pressure the last couple of weeks, I think, is going a long way in helping this Packer secondary to be able to capitalize on some of these plays with with these rattled quarterbacks and making them kind of throw up some of these these lame duck balls. So I want to give them kudos because that was a rough unit, you know, at, at spurts dur- during the season and the way they've been able to not only defend against the run, but generate some pressure as well. The last couple of weeks is on an upward trajectory. I'm so glad you brought them up because I actually also wanted to kind of give a shout out to the defensive line because I think they went very, again, under the radar in this game where nothing that they did is really going to show up on the stat sheet. However, I think their ability to stop Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson, like we mentioned earlier, and really make this Dolphins team one dimensional and force Tua to pass is how this Packers team won, right? Like the two 
go hand in hand. The secondary being able to pick off Tua and this passing game is because the Dolphins couldn't run the ball. They had to put the ball in the air and they couldn't do it on the ground. And that's because of Kenny and Jerron and Devonta Wyatt and everyone, you know, unfortunately they lost Dean Lowry, but I loved seeing Devonta Wyatt get more snaps because I think he deserves more playing time and they were just able to kind of move things. And I thought Preston Smith also had a really low key game. Again, he only had the sack, but like just being able to set the edge and kind of manhandle things up front. It was, it was a really big test and I think they lived up to the moment. Yeah. So we talked about, you know, highlights on the offensive side of the ball highlights on the defensive side of the ball, special teams outside of that, you know, really bizarre, awful decision to try and, you know, fake a punt. Which is arguably not the players. That's the coach's decision. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, you got the 95 yard return from Keyshawn Nixon that, you know, unfortunately the offense couldn't capitalize on, but I think just knowing that like what we've seen from this unit compared to, you know, the first half of the season, all of last season, I don't know about you, but I don't hold my breath anymore when special teams is on the field. And it feels like the first time I've been able to say that, you know, probably the last couple of weeks. And it just, I don't want to rag on a guy like Amari Rogers. I'm happy he's finding success with the Texans, but it just makes you wonder where the malpractice was from this coaching staff to not have Nixon out there sooner because he's, he's changed the dynamic of the entire return unit. He's the best returner in the league right now. He's going to the Pro Bowl <laughs> and he hasn't even played the whole season. Like that is so insane. He's going to rip one of those into the end zone before the season is out. Like I mark my words, he oh, yeah. will have a return for a touchdown. Um, it was really unfortunate re- watching the offense not be able to get seven off of that. I mean, 94 yards. That's the longest return since Randall Cobb's 2011 season opener touchdown return. It's been a decade since the special teams has had anybody even remotely close to Keyshawn Nixon. I I think it's easy to highlight him and be like, ha ha, look, but like all of special teams has been better. Like Dallin Levitt and Innis Gaines and trying to think of who else is playing gunners right now, but just, they're making like really, really great tackles. They're not allowing on the flip side, the opponents to get good returns any longer. They're stopping them in their tracks. The yeah. field goal unit has been money, like no issues there with Mason, just all around the unit, like Rich Bisaccia, maybe it took him like half a season, but he's really, really turned this unit around. I almost wish it had happened a season sooner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, just those, those what ifs hurt so bad. But I know. Even like Rudy Ford. And I know we talked that, about this. Yes, thank you. That's who I was missing. Well, like earlier in the season, we had talked about, you know, this season didn't have like a Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell signing that was going to just, you know, change everything or change the dynamics of a unit. And, you know, Devondre Campbell made all pro like this wasn't going to happen every season. But the moves that Gutekunst made to bring in a guy like Rudy Ford, you know, Darnell Savage is barely seeing the field right now. So just, you know, these really kind of underrated Jaron Reed, you know, we didn't say that he was going to come in and like become an all pro or, you know, flip the field. But what they're doing is, you know, freeing up guys like Kenny Clark. And if you focus on Jaron Reed has made some huge plays these last couple games. So just these these really underrated kind of like under the radar signings they're not flashy you know the Packers didn't bring in OBJ but Goody is one of the best at finding guys who can come in and immediately contribute yep 
He is. It's uh, roster building 360. That's what they say. Anything else before we wrap this episode up? I feel like there is plenty more still to talk about in this game, but there's a lot to talk about, but I think a lot of it is going to get lost in the conversation of now the Packers just need to win out. I mean, they, yes, they need the commanders to either lose once or they need the giants to lose twice, but We've got the Vikings and the Lions at Lambeau Field these next two weeks. And I think if you asked anybody at 1265 if they like their odds at this point after what they've been through to start the season, they would say absolutely. So it's just nice to have some meaningful football still down the stretch because it felt like we weren't going to get that as early as, you know, maybe three weeks ago. So lots to look forward to these next couple weeks. And the fact that it's against two NFC North rivals is either going to make it even sweeter or even more painful, I think. <laughs> yes. Um, so we will be back with the Vikings preview. Um, more to talk about. Lots to talk about this week. Um, thank you all, as always, for listening. I'm happy to be back. No more breaks um, for Perry. Uh, you can follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter, Packs What She Said on Instagram and Twitch um, and YouTube. You can follow Maggie at Maggie J. Loney on Twitter. You should. She's the best. You can follow me if you want eh, uh, at Perry underscore Goldstein. Um, this has been one of the wildest, weirdest seasons to talk about on this show. And there are two weeks left. So join us through the end. Maybe two weeks is not the end. Who the heck knows with this team? But no matter what, we say go Paco. Go Paco. Go Paco.